0: Love Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. I'm your host, Bernadette Walsh, and I'm so pleased to introduce Tawny Weber. Tawny is a USA Today bestseller, and she's the author of 20 Sassy Romances. Her upcoming releases include Fearless and Naughty Christmas Nights. So welcome, Tondi, to Nice Girls Reading Naughty Books. And so please, you could join me this
1: evening. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: So I think the first question I want to ask is,
1: when do you sleep?
0: 20 (laughs) romance, 20 published books, and I'm sure you have even more stashed under your bed. That is just an amazing, and amazing accomplishment.
1: So, I mean, please
0: share with us how you managed to do it all.
1: Oh my gosh! Um, I don't sleep. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm asking myself that question these days. I and part of it is I write at night. My my writing hours usually start around 10 p.m. and I write until three, sometimes five in the morning, depending on where I'm at in the story. Um, and and then I just kind of collapse. And um, we, we homeschool, so I you know I'm usually up by nine, ten at the latest, depending on you know how ugly the previous night's writing was. Um, so I, I don't get nearly as much sleep as I would like except in between books. Oh, my goodness. And, and how
0: long have you been writing?
1: I started writing. I, I decided this is, you know, what I want to do um, in 2002, and so I started taking classes and workshops. I joined RWA, which is Romance Writers of America, um, and they have just some of the most incredible support and uh, teaching learning opportunities and i joined various chapters and took every kind of how-to that i could get um and that was 2002 i sold my first book in 2006 uh, and it was out in uh double dare was released in may of 2007 and most of your books now are published with harlequin is that right Yes, actually, I have I do have one indie out, but all of the rest of them are through Harlequin. I have 19 Harlequin blazes on the shelves currently, and this month is the release of Cosmo Red Hot Reed, um, is a, is a line by Harlequin, and I'm part of the launch of that with Fearless. And maybe you could tell us
0: um for people who aren't familiar with what the different um the different lines in Harlequin, what is blaze like what does that specialize in what 's that genre
1: Blaze is sexy contemporaries it is their hottest series line uh, it's very very modern, very sexy very um kind of a strong heroine. Uh, rugged hero type of a thing a lot of my books are navy seals um they have they have various series within the series uh you know the wrong bed, uniformly hot uh, things like that so it's it is also again you know it's a very hero centric line so if you if you like really hunky heroes, it's a great line to read and how long are are your books typically sixty thousand words, which translates into about two hundred and forty print pages.
0: So a short a short novel, but but longer than a novella. Yeah,
1: it's it's what they're they're still terming these as short contemporaries. So you know they're they're in that tight work count, and that's actually I I love writing tight because um, you know it, it keeps the story focused, but you still have enough room to explore the emotional journey. And um it, because it's a blaze, there's a lot of sex. It's you know, it's a very, very hot story. Um so there's a there's a lot of room for that. <laughs> right. No.
0: I I I I enjoy writing that I enjoy writing short as well. Um, most of my my first two books were were standalones, and they were in the 60 to 75,000 word um, range. And then my four book novella were really short. They ranged from either 25,000 words to 45,000 words. And so I tend to write short, which some people, you know, depending on what you want to where you want to sell your your work. It can be a detriment, but I really, you know, I like things to be concise uh, and, you know, I I like the story, you know, the pace to, to keep moving. So that's always my preference as a reader and also as a writer, and it sounds like you maybe share my preference, so. Um, Definitely, yeah. yeah. Maybe you can, yeah, no, it's, and now are your books, are they from, do you write from the first person, the third person, do you mix it up? Um,
1: so far, everything I've written is third person. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think now, um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say you you had mentioned you know the pace, and I think that is one of the the most uh, the things that I love the most about the tighter word count about a sixty thousand word or even a thirty thousand word, which is what the fearless novellas are, or the red hot reads are thirty thousand. Um, is is it is? It's a tight pace. It keeps the story moving fast, um, and and just if you're looking for a quick read, it keeps it, you know, you're turning the pages, it, you know, it's that kind of mm-hmm. book that it's like, okay, turn the page. Mm-hmm. I want to know what happens next. I want to know what happens next.
0: Right, right, right. And as the writer, you know, you can't rely on a lot of padding, you know what I mean? Like, it's So like I said, I think it's also whatever your natural bent is. Uh, I, I've talked about this on the show before, but I'm a lawyer by day. That's my day job. And so I think I'm used to writing being very careful about how I use my words and and making sure that they really work for me, and that has really translated into my writing life. Um, I've had to, so I, I, it's just my natural inclination to write concise. And I'm working right now on a what I want to be a full-length family saga book. And so my goal is to get to 80,000 words, which people don't think sounds like that much, but for me, I'm at you know, I'm at the 25,000 word mark, and I'm like, how am I going to get to to 80,000 words? So, it's really, hard, isn't again, it? So it's like, okay,
1: I don't because you don't want to pad. You don't want to just add right. words. Um and you mm-hmm. know, especially when like you say we're we're basically trained after so many books and and you know, by you know, especially being a lawyer, Um, you're you're trained to write tight and so it's like I want to get the emotion across in a quick strong way Uh, there's not a a lot of build-up time Um, you know it's like I I have no no problem building a lot of sexual tension in but I want to make sure that you know every word is working really hard for me and so it it does become a challenge to write the longer books
0: right right so I mean I think where I'm getting but again I don't want to pad so I'm going to keep writing at the pace, pace I want to write. And I probably, you know, I think at 25,000 words, I'm probably a little more, like maybe 40% of where I think the the story will be. And so I'm just going to write it. And then if it's a little short, then I'll reevaluate and maybe, you know, work in another storyline or think if there's, you know, maybe I can describe things a little bit more. But it's definitely a challenge, you know. it It definitely is. But, you know. That's it, what, well, that's, that's the what fun writing of writing, what, what's out.
1: our next challenge? <laughs> I know right, when, when right, I right. first sold The Blaze, my first book was um, 70,000, 75,000 words. And at the time, we were a lot longer, and I had room for secondary character point of views and, you know, multiple secondary storylines, and those are some of the things that I had to learn to pull out. Um, and I do miss doing that. You know, those are, those are things that really add so much, so much extra depth and um, you know, those those extra layers to the story that um you know, can it can be really fun to have. Mm-hmm. Mhm. Now
0: tell me what it felt like the first time you were a USA Today bestseller.
1: Oh my gosh, that was so incredible. Um that was the most amazing thing. That was just this last April. And, um, this was with my seals and these are these are books that I love so much um you know I think we love it's it's like our children you know every book we publish, we love it, and it's like, I know this is the best work I've done, and I love this story, and I'm so proud of it, but these just they have such a special place in my heart and so it was it was really great to um see the book hit and it, you know it kept climbing the numbers kept climbing i had I had two books out back to back uh the first one was a seal seduction, and Harlequin included it in their tri Harlequin program, which makes it a free digital download and it's still free, so anyone who does want to check out a seal seduction can but um then the the month after that was the connected story, which is a seal surrender and because a seal seduction hit so hot and, and it hit so high. I mean, it, it climbed all the way down to Amazon's number one slot in free, um, Kindle books. And it stayed in their top 100 free downloads for over a hundred days. And it, it just, you know, it had a really good reception. And what it did was, um, Harlequin had put the first chapter excerpt of a seal surrender in the back of the book. And so it drove a lot of readers to check out the second book. Um, and so I was watching my numbers just, just keep climbing down and down. And, you know, even, even when you think it's possible, there's always that voice in the back of your head that says, oh, it's not going to happen. There's no way. And uh, when it did, uh, USA Today posted their list on, on Wednesday night. They posted after 9 o'clock Pacific time. And I, I just walked in and happened to refresh my computer and check the list and, and I just started crying. I, and my daughter freaked out because <laughs> she was just like, oh no, what happened? And my husband comes running in and everyone's like, oh look, look, that's real, right? That's real. And um, you know, just did a did a happy dance, which was really, really not very coordinated, and <laughs> cried a lot. <laughs> it was it was amazing. Um, it hit right. in the next week, and it's something
0: that you you and it's something that you worked for for so long. You know, yeah. So you've been writing for how many years? Like twelve years now? Is that yeah? For,
1: uh, it's a little late in
0: the evening, so I can't do the math. But yeah, that's a you know that's a long time. So it it may seem like oh an overnight success, but really you you you've been working at it for a really really long time and that's just an amazing an amazing accomplishment so and and so maybe you could talk a little bit about the difference between um writing series and writing standalones
1: Um, I tend to think in series, so it it is always harder for me to write standalone because I, as a reader, I love reading series. I love exploring the character's world, and and anytime there's a really cool friend or brother or, um, you know, SEAL team member or something, I'm like, ooh, do they have a romance going on? What's happening in their world? Um, So my books, I tend to think in series when I start writing them. It's not a deliberate thing. It's just, oh, what else could, you know, who are their friends? What's going to happen with them? Um, so the difference, I think, is in knowing that I'm done as a writer, that, that when I write a standalone book, I'm done when the book is done mm-hmm. versus a series. I know I'm going to be visiting these characters again. I know as I'm writing the secondary characters, I'm laying the groundwork for their stories. And so I, in writing a series, um, I will go into a little more detail. I'll put a lot more thought into creating the secondary characters um, versus, uh, you know, when it's a standalone book, I just know, you know, okay, this is it, I'm done, and, and if that person's career is, you know, not something I ever want to explore and research, that's fine, because I'm not going to have to write them.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. Well, and it's, I think one of the, because I did a four-book uh, paranormal series, The Devil and Legacy, and actually, I, it's it's interesting that you say that you thought in series, because the first book in My Devil and Legacy was supposed to be a standalone, and I, then I tried to write something else, and I couldn't because that those characters were still speaking to me. So I was like, all right, I'll do two books. All right, I'll make it a trilogy. And then I thought I was really done. I was like, No, I still have more to say. So, um, so I started. So I wrote the fourth book. But now I'm actually done. And, you know, I really am. That's why I'm starting this this new book. But it's hard to leave that world that you created. It really. It's and people keep saying, Oh, you're going to do a fifth book. But no, I, I actually am really, really done. But I think one of the things that I loved about writing that series was the world bul- building was done for books two, three, and four is not so awesome? focus on other things. Yeah. You know, and you have to do a little bit of world building because you don't know who's writing your book and and they may just pick up books too. So you want it to still be a good experience for them, but you know, a lot of even the thinking about the world is done. You know what I mean? You you know and especially by book 4, you know these characters so well and and I think what's amazing is where the character where my character's wound up in book 4 is so different i could not have predicted it in in book 2 so it was, you know, like I said, they almost became like my family. It was very hard to leave them go, but uh, but you have to stretch yourself. So
1: yeah, well, yeah, you have to. It's like okay, I have to do something else. I have to try something else. And and I do think, you know, like you say, we, for me, in in the process of writing, I put as much time into writing the partial. It will take me as long to write those first three chapters as it will take me to write the entire rest of the book. Um, because it takes me that long to really get to know the characters the setting the you know all of the histories, everything about this this world that i 've created, and I need to know the world before I can keep going and so that is that 's a huge advantage in writing a series is even though i I need to still introduce this world to the readers, I know it you know i've mm-hmm. i've like you have you know we 've been there we 've you know, spent the time, we understand where we're coming from, and, and so there's not as much um, discovery that slows down the writing or, you know, having to rethink things or realizing, you know, okay, this didn't work, I need to go in a different direction. It's, it's pretty well set, so that makes the writing a lot smoother and a lot easier. Right, right. And like I said,
0: you you come to love those characters and it's so hard to end it. But I like to go out on a high note and I really felt like by book four, I had really said all I wanted to say about these characters. I mean, look, who knows, I may come back to it, but I think it it, it ended exactly the way I wanted it to. So, uh, So I'm on to... Other things, and what was hard for me too is the new book I'm working on is a different genre. You know, I lived with the paranormal world for for a while writing those four books, and now I'm writing, you know, in the real world. So it's really hard because you know I can't just have if, if, if the pace is getting a little slow, I can't just have someone, you know, uh,
1: somebody cast a spell, right? <laughs> you, right. It's like you have with, to. It's like okay, <laughs> let me rethink my conflict here. How do I how do I shake things up? Um, think about yeah, that. Yeah. It's always good for shaking things up. That's my answer.
0: <laughs> so, I guess so let's get it a little
1: bit that. naughty so, here.
0: Yes, yes. So, let's talk about the heat level of your books. Where would you, yes. you know, you said that, that it's it's pretty hot. It's hot for Harlequin or it's hot like where would you compare it in terms of like is it does it get up to the erotica line or is it somewhat I don't short of the I don't write erotic.
1: Line? Um, I don't consider it erotic at all. I've had, Mm -hmm. I'm often categorized in the erotic category by booksellers and reviewers, but I I don't think it's erotic. Um, And I Mm -hmm. can't even tell you what the line is there to say, oh, this is why it's not. I just, to me, it's just, it's very, very hot sex, Um, but they're very, in general, they're, they're Someone termed it yesterday um they're sweet books and and I wouldn't say sweet like oh, these are really nice gooey characters or that these are sweet because uh, you know it's it it doesn't have you know the sex because it definitely does but but there's always um there's always a happy ending, there's always a you know feel good um comfort to the books that I think gives them mm-hmm. that kind of you know sweetness, I guess, but they are um you know they're full on fully described um pushing boundaries love scenes the um the love scene in Fearless for instance involves um blindfolds i've done scenes with um Ooh. yeah that was fun actually that was a lot of fun <laughs> um you know i've i've pushed i've pushed a lot of the boundaries um i don't you know i've i've done you know public scenes you know, with with voyeurism, um, sex in public, different things like that. But again, I don't think those are what make a book erotic. I think they just make it very, very sexy. Mhm.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, they they sound great. They really do. Now, you've been writing for Harlequin for quite some time. And so maybe you can tell us a little bit about how the industry has changed from your perspective from from the first book that you published with them to the books that you're publishing now. I assume that the first book was only paper book is that correct or or was it also electronically available?
1: Actually, mine was one of the first that Harlequin put into their digital release program um i oh, okay. I was in in that first uh wave when when they first started and, and Harlequin when they started doing digital if if I recall they they might correct me, <laughs> but my recollection is that they started with the passion lines, which would be blaze. Desire and Presents, and those were the ones that they started with digital. And then, then somewhere thereafter, they created, you know, a digital-only, an entire branch of digital. Um, mm-hmm. But at this point, every one of my books is available in digital. But digital didn't really seem to, um, to take off in the beginning. I mean, they were there, and it was kind of cool, but it was, it was almost the same as most of my books were in audio as well. So it was it was similar to it's another way to get it but it wasn't the big seller whereas at this point my print and digital sales are, are probably neck and neck. Uh oh, really? you know, so okay. that's yeah. That's my my digital sales are, are really really high. Um combined with, you know, it, the, when you look at the changes in the industry, how much we've lost in terms of availability of print books. You know, we don't have the bookstores that we used to have. We don't have the the outlets for selling the print books, and I think the demand has gone down um, as mm-hmm. the demand for digital has gone up. I don't think it's gone away. I don't think it's ever going to go away, um, but it's not as high as it used to be. So I'm definitely now, seeing find, that.
0: Now, in, is is it neck and neck in terms of new releases, or do you find for your older books, your older older titles is are your sales more in digital versus paper?
1: my new releases are are pretty much neck and neck you know the the numbers my sales numbers are um pretty close you know digital mm-hmm. versus print my older books are catching up because i'm still you know where you can't get most of my older books in print unless you're going to use bookstore right. um but the digital i mean my first book um was out you know in 2007 and i i still sell you know at least you know 50 or so Copies a month, at least. Um, right, right, right. So well, that's the
0: beauty it, of digital, right? It never goes away. It's there away. forever. And if someone, yeah. So if someone discovers you, maybe one of your more recent releases, they can go back now and 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 read the rest of your catalog, which is really like that's like I said that's the benefit of of being available digitally. Now, so that I think is one of bit. the biggest ones. Right, 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 right. And um, now, did you um, maybe you could tell us about how you got into Harlequin? Did were you a cold submission? Did you
1: have an agent? Um, I when I first started writing, I took and I, I wish I could remember who taught the workshop, but I the advice that I kept seeing over and over again, and then I had taken a writing workshop on you know how to figure out what you're going to write, and the bottom the bottom line message kept was write what you love to read, and so I looked at what I love to read. I read paranormal romance and i read at the time it was harlequin temptation i loved temptation um and so i looked at the odds of both and and you know i kept hearing um you know all the brilliant advice that you always get when you're you're starting out and everyone has all the answers for you and the answers that i was getting is um were that you have a shot in category that if your first book doesn't do well or one of, if your numbers aren't strong, they'll still give you a chance versus single title where if your numbers aren't strong, you're pretty much done. Um, which is a kind of a scary prospect for someone who doesn't. I mean, I wasn't one of those people who was writing as a child and you know was going to be a writer forever. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this was a new thing for me, so I was like, well, I, I want to, you know, I want a shot here and I want to build a long-term career. And that was the other thing that Harlequin offers is is they they do believe that you know their their motto for years was we build careers um and and all of my favorite authors had come from there um, you know Nora Roberts mm-hmm. for example started with harlequin right and so i looked at that and i thought okay this is where i want to go and so i i wrote with the the line requirements in line, in mind you know they have writing guidelines on their website and so i i looked at that and i wrote with that in mind and i submitted it was cold submission and the editor who got back to me was Brenda Chin, who was um, – I don't think she was senior editor at the time. Um, but she got back to me and said, you know, she loved my voice, the story didn't work, and, and she had suggestions for me. And we, we actually went back and forth for a number of years, not on that same book, because she, she had this this theory that, you know, you you edit the heart out of a book, so write something new. And she basically taught me what it was going to take to to sell. Um, Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I was querying agents and, and, you know, looking at other things, too. I had um, a paranormal single title that um, I was getting ready to shop and things like that. And um, I wrote, it was my third Golden Heart Final, um, won the Blaze Contest. Harlequin held a contest for uh, first chapter submissions, and it won the Blaze contest. And the book wasn't finished. All I'd written were the first, you know, was was that first um, chapter for them. And then I I entered it in the Golden Heart. It it finaled in the Golden Heart, and that was the book that Brenda bought. Um, So I I was actually very narrowly focused for quite a while that I wanted to write for, originally it was for Temptation, Temptation closed, and it was like, okay, I want to write for Blaze. And um, that's that's where I ended up selling. Well, That's amazing. Now do you
0: have an agent now or are you still I, just did, I actually I signed
1: with my agent the same week that I sold. I signed with her right before I sold. <laughs> so it was kind of everything happened all at the same time, but it didn't happen you know, one didn't happen because of the other. She and I had been going back and forth and um she was my second agent and so I was a little uh wary and wanted to make sure I was gonna be very comfortable with that fit. And um so I signed with her, um I, and yeah, so so yeah, my my cell was on my own, but she handled everything thereafter.
0: Now, what do you think are the benefits of of having an agent, where you know you clearly you have a relationship with the publisher, and you actually got you got the the first deal, your foot in the door yourself? What, why would someone still use an agent?
1: Um, you know what, I my agents been working her to shop for me just this last, you know, couple weeks because I had deadlines that I, you know, were just getting, I, I signed a, a pretty um, large contract last year and at the time we agreed to deadlines that um, were totally fine for me, but then I had, the Cosmo books come in on top of those that I signed contracts for. And, and so it was juggling all of that. And so she's the one who goes in and she handles all of the negotiations for deadlines. She, you know, follows up on things to make sure that I'm in a good place and I'm being taken care of um, with different elements like promotion or, you know, that my checks are showing up on time, things like that. Um, so she's your she's,
0: advocate then. It's not she's just, my advocate. She, That's the
1: perfect word, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So
0: it's because it's it's interesting. I think for people who are early in their career and are are you know querying agents, but you know they I don't think they always think about what does an agent do. They think about an agent getting them a deal, right? And they yeah. don't think about the ongoing work. So that's that's why. Not that I'm asking. I'm hopefully not asking too many personal questions, but no. I, I think it's of interest to people who are in maybe a different stage in their career to see why why an agent is helpful and how it can help you. Aside well, and from I just think getting you especially into
1: right now with yeah with with the the um uprise in indie publishing, I think a lot of people are really asking that question. You know, why do I need an agent if I'm only going to indie publish? And I think, you know, that's that's a rather to me, you know, simple, well you don't. But if you plan on selling in a traditional Venue, I think right now an agent is especially important because there are contract terms that can pretty well dictate certain elements of your career for for a lot of years. And an agent will make Mm -hmm. sure that those a good agent will make sure that you're signing with contract terms that you can live with, and Mm -hmm. um, and perhaps explain ones that you know you can't live with and make you aware of them so you don't sign that contract. Um, you know, those are things that, that agents can do in traditional publishing. It's not just get me the deal or get me in the door because I, I think, you know, there's there's a lot of ways of getting through the door. And um, if you're good at selling yourself, you, you know, you may not need an agent, but I'm not good at, at the contract side of it. I'm not good at the negotiations, uh, and that's why I, I really value having an agent who is. Right. Well,
0: there's a benefit, too, of having
1: that buffer. You know what yes. I mean?
0: Like to say, okay, the uncomfortable conversations, all right, deal with my agent, as opposed to you directly maybe, you know, fighting with your publisher. And I think, uh, you know, even, you know, I'm a lawyer, so I can – when I'm arguing on behalf of my clients, I'm one way. But even when I was negotiating my own contract uh, with with Lyrical, you know, I at a certain level y- – you know, well, I think there's two things. I think one, when you're a beginner writer, uh, it's it's not like you have a lot of leverage, right? It's right. Some, especially with some of the, it's take it or leave it. And so, yeah. you know, I think the important thing for me was I wanted an end term to my contracts because I wasn't, you know, again, I was new to the industry, I didn't have an agent, and I didn't want it. My 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 big concern was being tied up forever. So I said, okay, I want a specific term for my contract. And then if we're both unhappy, then we both walk, and I can have my, my rights back. So that was the paramount thing for me. I think every writer has has things that are, are more important to them. So, but I, you know, I, I, think, I think saying that an agent is an advocate is a very, very interesting perspective and not one that I necessarily thought about because I don't have an agent yet. And I, you know, I, I sold to Lyrical on my own, and I've been happy there, but, you know, now that I'm looking at this new project and maybe going the more traditional publishing route, I think I may look at having an agent again. But, I again, before I sign with someone, I want to see, you know, what is it that they can do for me. And I think, and, like you said, I think they can get you in the door, but they also can help you build a career. And it sounds like that was, that's what your agent has helped you with. So she, Oh, yeah. She, she's, I mean, she's, I, I, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yes, yeah, so definitely. I mean, for she's... What is hopefully, yeah. I I wasn't trying to ask you too many personal questions. But no, that's of, that's of not at all. I mean, I'm
1: I'm happily, I'm very very happy to share with everyone. I love my agent. She's awesome, um, and I really do think, you know, there's there are places in publishing that we don't need agents at this point. We you mm-hmm. know we really don't. Um, there is really not a lot that an agent in the traditional means can do for someone who's pursuing an indie path. Um, but anyone who is signing a contract, you know, that that does come in handy to have someone, especially, you know, if your agent is very well-versed in contracts, um, that there's an advantage to that. Um, you know, and I also, like you said, having that, that buffer, you know, the agent can be the bad guy that goes in and, and deals with the things that you don't want to deal with or, you know, that would put a difficult uh, cloud over your relationship with your, your editor, Um you know, right. so that's you know, those are really great things to have them for, and they're great right. at advice.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, and they can you know let you see what the, what the next step might be for you in your career. Now, maybe you can just say quickly, we're actually running a little bit out of time. But what do you think is one of the biggest things that has changed since you started writing? Is it is it the the change in in in, in digital being more prominent, or is there anything else that you think has changed?
1: Marketing. I think that when I first started, I was one of the very few authors who took a very active role in trying to market my own books. Um, because most of them felt you know there, there was really no reason to, especially when you write for Harlequin and series, because Harlequin has such an incredible distribution of their print books. Um, you know the books are in Walmart, the books are in Target, the books are in the grocery stores, the books are in the, you know they 're everywhere their foreign sales distribution is fabulous, so you know, the the basic um, belief for most authors was i don 't have to market but if you look at uh, you know, how long has Facebook been around? How long has Twitter been around? You know, how long have have blogs been active? Um, You know, so many authors, when I first sold, didn't even have a website. Where today, you know, we, we spend, as authors, we spend so much of our time not just doing promotion and, you know, social networking and blogging and, you know, all of these elements, but trying to figure out how to do it better or try to find new venues. Um, So I think one of the biggest changes has been that demand on authors. We don't just have to be a creative person who writes a compelling story. We have to be a creative marketer who can get that story out there in front of the readers and, and sell it in a way that they want to check it out that's not an easy thing and be more
0: access, yeah and be more accessible
1: to readers like yes. you said
0: not just hide behind a character but people a lot of people now want to know you and and contact you and and that's why we have to do things like radio interviews and blogs and you know it's hard it's a different skill set writing a blog is a different skill set than writing a book and oh it is it's in some ways yeah, it's it's and you have to decide where's the line like how much are you going to expose of yourself uh you know and and it's it's difficult. I think it's amazing to me especially with social media I think it's really a double-edged sword because I see some writers out there who expose so much of themselves.
1: Yes, and and, and they're very comfortable with it. I know some writers who they put yeah. I mean I everything, you know, it. Yeah, well, the, you know, their religion, their politics, their sex life, their kids—you know, everything is just right out there, and it works for some of them. Some of them can work it very well, and they—they they are very comfortable in not just sharing that, but using it, um, it, you know, in a in a marketing sort of a way, and and they're great at it. Yeah, um, for others, building a platform.
0: Yeah. Yes, I. I oof. Yeah, I, I but some people I think cross a line a little bit in a way that I think they may come to regret, you know, years from now. But like you said, I think everyone has to find an area that they're comfortable with, and so. But it's it's
1: a greater demand on writers. It really, really oh it is. is. And I mean, I think I, and it's I spend. Oh, I going to say, I think I spend you know almost as much time marketing as I do writing.
0: Right. Right. It's and, it's and, and a it's, lot.
1: And and. and And you know
0: when you're spending time writing, it's concrete, right? You're in front of the computer. All right, I got ten pages done. If you spend you know the same amount of time on Twitter writing a blog, you know, talking to me, is it going to translate into sales? Who knows? You know what I mean? Well, and you and you never know what it is.
1: You know, it could be a blog Mm -hmm. that you wrote two years ago that just happened to show up or someone referenced, and you know. I don't know what I said 2 years ago, but I'm not sure if I want it being put out there now. <laughs> you know, but <laughs> once it's out on the internet, it's there forever and and so it is. Yeah. Um it's an interesting world right now. It really is. It's, it it's certainly like is. um I have a very actually a very very solid line um of what becomes my private life and um what is accessible and what isn't. And I think that's something that we all have to hopefully you know be very aware of as as we're trying to build that platform because uh it's very easy to find ourselves crossing that line and like i said you know it's there forever it's hard to go back and and get rid of those pictures mm-hmm. that drunken mm-hmm. party oh
0: absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah you know you have to be you have to be careful about how you present yourself because you don't want to turn off
1: readers potential
0: readers by talking about your politics or or whatever um and then you also just you have to protect your personal life, and and that's why sometimes people write under pen names or they're conscious about talking about their families. So, I again, like you said, once you once you write something or it, it's out there forever, and so you have to be a little bit careful. But yet, you can't become so careful that everything you present is is plain vanilla and bland and won't, won't entice writers or uh, readers. So. It definitely is it's a difficult tightrope that we walk in this brave new world. So It and is. Fun. It really it's is. Just, yeah. It's just been great to, um, to learn about your experience and to hear about your wonderful writing journey. I mean, 20 books, the U.S. Today bestseller, you just have had incredible, incredible accomplishments. So um, thank you thank so much you. for sharing that. I really do appreciate it. Um, and I hope maybe I can convince you to come back and visit us some other time. I but would anyway, absolutely 20- love to. Thank you. Yeah, and Tony, maybe quick, very quickly, because we're running out of time. Maybe you can just tell us um, where we can people can find you online.
1: The best place is my website. It's www.tonywebber.com. I all my links to Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, uh, my blog, all of my personal life are right there for you if you want to check it out.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, Tony. Thank you again. Thanks so much. Just wanted to remind everyone about the really exciting shows that I have coming up. Um, Next week, I have Lorenda Christensen. Then on October 2nd, I have Sarah Jane Stone, followed by K.L. Allen, Leah Shaw, Danny Collins. And then on October 27th, I have Paula Braxton. Paula Paula Braxton is a huge Huge uh, writer. She's U.S. Uh, she's a New York Times bestseller. She wrote one of my favorite books, The Witch's Daughter, and I actually stalked her <laughs> until she agreed to be on my show. So I'm really, really looking forward to that. So please, that's October 27th, and it's right before Halloween, which I thought was a good time to have her on the show. So please check all that out. All the information about my shows is on my website, www.bernadettewalsh.com. Um, also, wanted to remind everyone about the Devil and Witch. My, the Devlin Witch, the fourth and final book in the Devlin Legacy series, was released by Lyrical Press on September 1st. And so please, I've gotten some really nice reviews and those are on my website as well. So please check that out. Um, also, the f- three books in that series, The Devlin's Mountain, Devil's Shore, and Devil's Daughter are also available and two of them are on sale. They're only $1.99. So please, um, I, if you're interested in a... Um, what some people say is a dark read, but, um, but a story about a family of Irish witches right before, again, before Halloween. You might want to check them out. And all the excerpts from all my books and um, copies of the reviews are on my website, www.bernadettewalsh.com. So thanks, everyone, for spending this evening with me. Uh, this is Bernadette Walsh, and um, I'm nice girls reading naughty books. And I hope that you will all uh, join me next time. Bye-bye.